Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Why not? Rub it in our face. Hopefully it pisses players off. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. Today's show is also brought to you by Andrew Fort Yarns. So thank you to Andrew for being the Patreon sponsor. If you want to be like Andy and sponsor the show, head across to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. My name is Josh Lloyd, and you can follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. And I do suggest you go ahead and do that. What we're going to do in today's show is what we always do, is look back at all the performances from Saturday, and then preview Sunday's action to help set your DFS lineups. So... Let's get to it. To it. All right, that is a very good idea. We'll start off, of course, with the monstrous line of the night, and it goes to Kawhi Leonard of the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi was simply masterful. 34, 10, and 5. He hit a 3. He had 6 steals. He blocked a shot. He was 11 of 25 from the field, and he was 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Leonard has been great as always this season. He is the number seventh ranked player in eight category leagues for the year, averaging 26, six and three and a half. He's really taking his offense up in numerous notches this season, which is weird considering the main change that the Spurs have made has been removing Tim Duncan for Pau Gasol, removing a defensive player for an offensive one. Yet Kawhi now takes an extra three shots per game and is scoring an extra five points per game. He goes to the line seven and a half times, which is way up from last year, an extra three times, uh, three free throws extra per game, hitting 89% of those. He has been ludicrous this season, and he's just really as consistent as they come. Lots of great, uh, lots of great performances from Kawhi that we've seen this year. He just continually puts up really solid numbers. You don't often get a stinker from Kawhi really ever. Do you get a stinker from Kawhi? The last time that he scored under 20 points was back at the start of February, we ha- he had 19 points. He had 19 points in back-to-back games. And if you want to go lower than 19 points, we have to go back to New Year's Day where he scored 13 points in a uh, in a loss to the Atlanta Hawks. He's just been con- so consistent with everything he's done this year. We know where all his strengths lie. And actually, his strengths are basically right across the board. He is a positive Z-score contributor in all eight categories. And there aren't Many players that do that, if any, I don't even think there are any that do, or maybe Kevin Durant, but he's a, a positive contributor across all eight categories. Let's talk waiver wire line of the night. Mo Harkless of the Portland Trailblazers, 18-2-3 for Moe. 
Two triples, two steals, three blocks, six of seven from the field obviously helped the shooting and four of five from the line. It's really those defensive numbers which have been great from Harkless. Over the last month, he's averaging 1.3 steals and 1.3 blocks. That's the time that Evan Turner has been out. And more specifically, over the last two weeks, he's at 13 and six with 1.2 steals and 1.6 blocks. But he's shooting 59% over those last five games, and that's bound to come back. He's not a 59% shooter. He's a mid to high 40s. He's not a mid to high 50s. Nobody really is that plays on the wing. So expect some level of decline there. He's also playing 35 minutes a game post All-Star break. Evan Turner looks like he'll be back in around a week or so. So expect that to impact what Harkless does. He won't play 35 a night. He won't shoot 59%. He might look before Turner got injured. Maui Harkless was playing like 22, 23 minutes a night on most nights. I don't necessarily know whether he goes back to that level, but the field goal percentage will dip and the minutes will dip. He's losing at least five to six minutes, probably probably closer to eight to 10 minutes would be my guess when Evan Turner returns. And that could be a real issue come your playoffs. For now, you just write it out and see how it goes. Unless there's this super hot guy that you want to go pick up, that just sounds really wrong. But if there's a super um, exciting player in free agency, then maybe you consider it. But the trend from Harkless now is going to be down. And it's not I'm not saying that Turner's going to come in and render him useless, but he's not going to sit at this level of top 60 performances of being able to shoot 59% in 35 minutes. Just those numbers, uh, those numbers won't, um, won't be able to sustain. Gene just asked that question. I see that live comment come in. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. Gene, we're going to see his uh, his minutes go back down. And, and I don't know how far they're going to go, but I know they're not going to stick at 35. He won't be playing that much. There's no way. And again, he was playing 22, 23 minutes a night before Turner broke his, uh, broke his arm. So just be aware that there is going to be some sort of a, um, some sort of a drop off coming for him moving forward for two reasons, minutes and field goal percentage. Let's talk about the young gun of the night. It's this guy again. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Screw that, Larry David. He's not pretty good. He's very good. Nikola Jokic is ridiculous. 31 and 14 on 15 shots only. He was 13 of 15 from the field. He had four assists and a steal. He is going to... I don't know. I don't know where he's going to be drafted next year. You would have to think that he is, he's a shot at a top, a first round guy. Uh, or if you get him in the second round, it could end up being a, a massive, massive steal. Yes, there was a little bit of panic from some people, legit panic from people. Oh, man, what's wrong with Jokic? What do we do? Is he, he's dropping off. What's happening after the All-Star break? Cool. His last four games is the ninth-ranked player, averaging 18 and 14 with 7.5 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks on 65% shooting, and also hasn't hit his free throws well in that time. He's at 70% true shooting, hitting just 71% of his free throws. If he gets back to that, to his normal 81%, you're talking about ludicrous, ludicrous numbers. He is going to be, he's going to be in that conversation. Would you take him? This is an interesting question. Would you take him next season ahead of Damian Lillard? Would you take him ahead of Paul George? These are the guys that were going 11 and 12. Demarcus Cousins, um, they're the guys in that range last season. Kyle Lowry, Kyrie Irving, um, Chrissy Paul, LeBronald around that zone as well. Like, where does Jokic fit in with those guys? Obviously, it's too early to say, but I'd feel pretty good taking him above a lot of those players. I don't think we'd have anything to worry about with Michael Malone's rotations, with him you know, 
benching him or playing him 22 minutes a night or anything like that. We're going to be seeing 30-plus minutes of Jokic the majority of nights now moving forward, and hopefully it's 34-35, enabling him to really go crazy. When I look at Nikola Jokic play on the court, though, it's it's beautiful. He reminds me of a bird, and I don't know why. He reminds me of Big Bird, and I think that's... I want to get that happening as a nickname for him. I just want to call him Big Bird. There's never been a Big Bird in the NBA, not that I'm aware of. I, I can't remember anyone being called Big Bird. Obviously, we've got Birdman. We had Larry Bird, but I don't think we've had a Big Bird. And I think that that suits Nicole Jokic. I'm going to try and work that in as a nickname. I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on it, but just watching him play and move, he's very Big Birdian to me. So uh, Nicole Jokic, Big Bird, is your young gun of the night. Let's go now to the dud of the night. A lot of options. A lot of options for the dud of the night. I'm going with big Ryan Anderson. He had three points. He hit a three. That was great. He missed his other nine shots. He had one rebound. He had zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks. Really, this guy, man. There were literally people who were going, man, I might take him in the top 50. He's going to be D'Antoni. They're going to shoot threes. And a lot of people do confuse fantasy value with shots. No, man, he's going to get so many threes. D'Antoni offense, cool. What does that do for his rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks? What does that do with his ability to get to the line? It doesn't do anything for any of those categories. We had Anderson fairly low coming into the season, lower than other people, and this he's just as inconsistent as anything. He surprisingly hasn't got injured this year, which has been a really big turnoff for him for the majority of the last two to three seasons. That hasn't happened, but his inconsistency has been terrible. He's the 124th ranked player for the year, and over the last month, he's 258. He's averaging only 12 points per game. Yes, he's hitting 2.73s. That's good. 34% shooting. He has combined 1.5 combined assists, steals, and blocks combined. That That is just terrible. At this point, I, I in a 10-team league, Ryan Anderson is not a must-own player. He is a stream option, and that's where we're at at this point. I know Matt Smith had a great tweet about this today. At this point, rest of season, upside, it doesn't mean anything because you're wanting to win this matchup this week. People will ask me, oh, do I... These these might be people who are owned, but I'm going to give an example. Do I add Do I add Tyler Eulis and drop Rashawn Holmes? Maybe. What do you want? Do you want rebounds and blocks? Although Holmes is not a good rebound. Do you want blocks? Or do you want assists and steals? Which one is it? Because there is never an answer that just makes sense in that sort of a scenario. There is never, and I am very adamant about this, there's never a such a thing as total value. There is never ignoring team build. There is never in a vacuum. It never, it never works. It never makes sense. And especially at this time of the year, if you're trading a big for a small or dropping a big for a small, there's got to be a reason for it. It's because you are needing the assist to win this week. And that's how every one of your matchups should be looking at. You should be looking at them in that light, looking at them going, what do I need to win this week? And if you don't need threes, then Ryan Anderson, he has no use whatsoever. Move on from him. Get rid of him. Don't worry that he used to be a top 50 guy five years ago. Move on. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, let's move in now and talk about these games in a little bit of extra detail. The uh, Where are we? The first game we'll talk about is the Detroit Pistons. They, uh, they took on the Philadelphia 76ers. 
Not only did they take them on, but they dropped 136 points on their asses. Andre Drummond had 14 and 14 and really carved it up defensively. Four steals and three blocks. That is a huge contribution. And for any of you who somehow have him in a roto league, he didn't even go to the line. If you are owning Andre Drummond in a roto league, just uh, just my uh, monthly check-in, where's the team place that owns Andre Drummond in a roto league? Really interested to know that. Marcus Morris had one of his good games, did it all defensively, two steals and three blocks to go with 22 points and two triples. But we've seen this with Marcus Morris plenty of times that this line comes up, it was big, but there's no consistency. We also don't have much consistency from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who dropped 26 points on 9 of 11 shooting. He is just as likely to go 2 of 11 in the next game, added three triples and not much else. He's still someone to own, though, while Toby Harris had 20 and 9. The uh, the tackle box, Johnny Lua, just six points in 19 minutes. And the, the question I think everyone wants to know is what happened with the point guards. While well, Reggie Jackson continued starting, he played 25 minutes and had 21-4-2. and two. Pretty good numbers, 64% shooting. Ish Smith played 23 minutes and he had 11-4-13. and 13. 63% shooting. Pretty impressive. So what do you do with these guys? Smith is that guy that you need assists. You, you stream him in. You add him. He's going to be in a role that could go from 28 minutes one night to 14 minutes the next night. Reggie Jackson's role can go from 30 minutes one night to 19 minutes the next night. If I'm only one of them, it's going to be Jackson. I don't see any reason why the, the Pistons want to go or would force Smith into action. He's not their future. He's got nothing to do with their future. They want Reggie to get things right. But it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to do that in every single game. So Reggie, Reggie's the guy that I would own out of those two, but Smith absolutely has value in this playoff zone of the uh, of the NBA regular season. Not much else to talk about. Stan Johnson struggled here. On to the Philadelphia 76ers. Jolly Okafor was out with his knee issue. Rishon Holmes started, only played 24 minutes. As I said, this game was a blowout. Minutes were spread all over the place. 13-2 for Holmesy, two steals. He hit a three as well. He's not a great rebounder. He is a good shot blocker. He's a good defender. He can score. I don't think that he's 100% a must-own guy, though, to be honest. These are okay numbers, but still only played the 24 minutes and has a place. Can be owned, but doesn't have to be owned. Sauce Castillo had one of his best games, especially as a starter. 37 minutes for Stauskas. 24-5-2, four triples and two steals. Actually, just I want to mention this. Last night... Dreams don't normally mean anything. I had the weirdest dream that I, that I woke up. I didn't wake up. In my dream, I was perusing box scores, and I was looking at a Los Angeles Clippers box score, and it must have been from next season. But Diamond Stone and David Michonneau combined for 15 steals. Stone had eight steals, and Michonneau had seven steals. So that's how you know how my life's going, that I'm dreaming about Los Angeles Clippers box scores for second-round draft choices for next season, and them accumulating 15 steals. Just when it happens, then you can call me Nostradamus. Dario Saric played 29 minutes, had 19, 6, and 8 with a block. He looks fantastic at the moment, Saric. I can see the Sixers... Well, not I can see. This is what they're going to do. When Simmons comes back, Simmons is going to play the one. And we're going to see him straight away as the one. Um, so I can see Saric and Bede as the starting front court, and then whatever they do in the draft, whatever, whatever picks they get. So Saric is probably going to start from here on out. He was struggled November, December, even parts of January, but has obviously started coming on and looks fantastic at the moment. A lot of these assist opportunities for him will fade away when Simmons returns. So don't expect as many big assist nights as what we've seen from him recently. Sergio Rodriguez, Spanish chocolate, had a good game. 12, 1 and 8 with four triples. 
Very rare that he gets this much playing time. Well, TJ McConnell had 10, 2 and 8, 23 minutes. As I said, they limited they limited the starters. Timothy Lawawu Cabro had 6 and 3, and Justin Anderson played 30 minutes. That's great. But 5 and 8 was not a good uh, not a good output from Anderson. He is obviously just a watch guy at this point, more a 16-team, 18-team league guy. Bob Cov wasn't his best night. He was 3 of 10 for 8, 4, and 3, and 2 triples. Still had a block, so still getting some stuff done, but it wasn't his best night at all. Toronto and Milwaukee. Serge Ibaka, 19 and 5, 2 blocks and 2 triples, 64% shooting. Really, really good stuff there from Serge, obviously, and Corey Joseph. This is probably the best-case scenario for Corey Joseph, I'd say. 37 minutes for Joseph, 14, 5, and 8 with two triples. Absolutely fine to own. Also a great night from Valanchunas. You know you know how much it pisses me off the way he is misused. Has not played a single second in the fourth quarter since Serge Barker arrived. 13 and 7 in 21 minutes. He was a perfect 5 of 5 from the field. He can just wreck teams, and I don't know why they don't continue to use him. I do not think that Valanchunas is a must-own guy, and I would be happy dropping him in numerous different situations, but it's not a must-drop situation. Very rarely is a player someone that you absolutely just have to drop, but Valanchunas can be considered that. He just isn't going to play more than 22 minutes a night, and he's also not going to shoot 100% from the field each night, which means he won't go 13-7. and seven. He could easily just go 7-7, seven and seven. and that's that's not what you want, is it? No. Damari Carroll suffered a leg injury, 19 minutes, 4 and 6. Go grab Norm Powell. We know I think that Norm Powell is really good. Maybe they start PJ Tucker, but Norm played 26 minutes here, had 12, 2 and 3. Go and grab him. He's definitely worth a look now. Um, actually, that's not, let me rephrase. Go and grab him if you need what he brings, if you've got an expendable player, if that player is not going to help you. But Norm is worth a look here. As for PJ, he played 29 minutes and had 9 and 4. That's more a deeper league situation. Well, DeMar DeRozan wasn't his best night. 11, 3 and 4. And Pat Pat continued to struggle. 5 points in 19 minutes. Also wasn't a great D-Lon right night. 1 point in 11. Still like D-Lon a lot though. On to the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, this is a big victory for those, these guys. Um, unsurprisingly, they won and John Henson didn't play. That's that's the pattern. So that's now the last eight games. They're five and three. John Henson has not played at all in the five games, and he's played 18 minutes in the three losses. And I'm not saying it's all John Henson's fault, but he's not good enough to play. This was still... It didn't mean... Uh, actually, let's let's go back to Toronto. A couple of questions here. Connor Crane says, is Joseph that much better than DeLon Wright? Yes, at this point, he he's better. He's not that much better. Look, the difference between Lowry to Joseph... I don't think is the difference between Lowry to Wright. I think that Wright, as he early as next season, becomes the backup. I have a lot of faith in, in D-Lon. I don't think it's going to happen this year, though. And Gene, who is also continuing to watch, a shout-out to Gene, uh, watching the entire show so far. Do you think one of Valanchunas or Casey will be on their way out of Toronto during the offseason? Yes, I do. Now, who that is remains to be seen. Whether um, if the Raptors, say, get swept in the first round of the playoffs, Casey could go. Otherwise, I could see them attempting to trade Valanchunas. I don't know what they'd get for him, but I would love to see Valanchunas in a role where he could play 28, 29, 30 minutes a night and be able to wreck guys, because he can. But yeah, I, I do think that I think that one of them is, is in trouble. Back to the Bucks, uh, yeah, no, no Johnny Henson, but we did get the baffling appearance of Spencer Hawes in the rotation. And you know what? He played well. 16 and 8 with two triples and a block. We know that when Hawes gets 30 minutes, 
he produces for fantasy. What we don't know is when Hawes will get 30 minutes. This is also a game where Terence Jones did not play. So when Jones comes in, will Hawes... Well, Hawes hasn't played a second for this team, a meaningful second for this team since he arrived in that trade three weeks ago. And now he does. Just another instance of Jason Kidd, like, can you work something out? It's just a watch now for Hawes. It's just a hold for Munro, who had four and six with two blocks. Wasn't his greatest night in 22 minutes. Wasn't a great night. But Terence Jones arriving is going to impact maybe these minutes that Hawes has taken. Is Jones still a guy to add? Yes. But he's not a must-add. He's not a drop-everything-for type of guy. He's not a, you know, I'm barely hanging on an assist. Let's drop Corey Joseph so I can make sure I get my hands on Terence Jones. Like that's, that's not the sort of move that I think it is. Yanni had 21, 10, and 4 with a block, while Chrissy Middleton, 30 minutes, back-to-back, 24 and 3, a steal and a 3. He's, he's fine. 64% shooting. I think people forget just how good um, Chrissy Middleton is. And the answer to that is he's ludicrously good. He's You're- Clumsy hands. He is, uh, he is ludicrously good. And he's going to be awesome next season. I can't wait for it. Brogo played 42 minutes, 17, 5, and 3. So Brogdon goes from starting and playing 35 to 22 last game and now to 42 here. I think that Brogdon should be owned in most leagues. Well, Daly, who played a big minutes in the last game, he went 2 of 11 for 6 points in 26 minutes. Thonmaker continues to start, had 0 points in 9 minutes, while Tone Snell was uh, his usual Tone Snelly self. 8 points in 30 minutes. Let's move on to the next game now. We're going to talk Cleveland and Miami, the Cavs pulling the uh, pulling the shifty one and uh, and sitting out Kyrie and LeBron James. There was, I guess, a hint of this happening before as the spread tilted in, in Miami's favor, but obviously we didn't get any confirmation of it until much later on. With that happening, the Heat get themselves a big, big victory, and it's really hard to, to judge too much out of this Cavs performance. Channing Fry came off the bench. They made a change to the starting lineup there. Jimmy Jones moved in and started for him, but Fry had 21 points with three triples, two steals, and a block. Just think of him as a worse Ryan Anderson. That's, I think, how you should view him. 15 points with five triples for Kyle Korver in the start, while Shumpert had nine points, and Darren Williams, who started in place of Kyrie, had 10, 5, and 7. Honestly, really, not much point in uh, in talking through this game because yeah, when DeAndre Liggins is playing 29 minutes and James Jones is playing 27, you know that something screwy is going on. <clears throat> For the Heat, Jimmy Johnson only played 18 minutes. That always makes me sad, but still a triple one, eight, four, and four is a decent night, while Goran Dragic had 23, three, and five, and Whiteside had 20 and 13. Whiteside is really cracking at the moment. And Tyler Johnson, he has to be owned everywhere. 17, six, and two, two steals and three triples for Tyler. Interestingly, Dion Waiters, 24 minutes. This is the concern that I had with Dion Waiters for weeks when he was putting up these crazy numbers. And you go, okay, well, Joshy Richardson has to come back, and Dion Waiters also isn't this good. So two factors that make you think that this won't continue, and it's what's happening. 24 minutes for Dion, 8-1-2, 3 of 10 shooting. That's three stinkers in a row for Waiters. Um, consider him in the drop zone. Consider him movable for streaming options. Considering him movable for guys that you want just to fill your categorical needs. As for Joshy, 8, 7, and 3, love Richardson. I just think he's a little bit of a distance off playing 32 a night, and that's what he'd need to be a 12-team league guy. While Wayne Allington hit four triples, and he is a three-point streaming option. Scooter Magruder remained starting. Of course he did. The Los Angeles Clippers, 
and the Chicago Bulls and the Clippers get the victory on the road. Big night from Jamal Crawford, haven't said that for a while. 25 points on 17 shots in 26 minutes, hit two triples and two steals. He had not been able to get over 20 minutes in the last, say, four or five games. So this one sort of came out of the blue. I wouldn't read too much into it. He was getting going. They limited JJ Redick in this game and Austin Rivers to give more minutes to Crawford. Don't get sucked in. Chrissy Paul, 17-2-4 with a pair of steals and a pair of threes, while DeAndre Jordan only had the six points, but 14 boards and a block is a decent night. Blakey Griffin had 16-6-7. Also, not much else happening on the Clippers side of things. For the Bulls, Jim Butler, 16-4-6 with three steals. Fine, but like guys like Paul George or guys like Kyle Lowry, Butler tends to drop a little bit at this point of the year. And we are seeing that he just doesn't look the same. I don't know, there's just something not right with uh, Jim Butler at the moment. Rajon Rondo played 29 minutes. Of course, he did 5, 4, and 9 with 3 steals. You need assists, you need steals. Rondo's fine to add. And that's exactly how you should be looking at things. Not an add across the board, though. Bob Portis. We didn't get great Bob Portis. We got decent Bob Portis. 21 minutes, 11, and 7. Juan Nicola Miritich played 27 minutes and had 8, 7, and 2 with 3 steals. I maintain that Miritich is the better player on court, and Miritich is the better fantasy option. Neither of them are absolute lock, must-own guys. I would probably not have Portis really near my 12-teamers, and I would have Miritich there. But working out this minute distribution, it varies. We had two games for Miritich, two games for Portis, and now we're back to one for Miritich. Who knows how it's going to work out. Jaron Grant remained started, played 10 minutes. Campaign off the bench, played 11. Neither guy played well. Michael Carter-Williams, a DMPC, and I think that continues. The Bulls point guards, there's just nothing to love with any of these guys, unfortunately. Robin Lopez, he played 27 minutes and had 12 and 6, while Chris Felizio had 7, 5, and 2 in 15 minutes. The whole Bulls scenario is a mess. Dwayne Wade, 10 and 6 in his 33 minutes. Dwayne Wade was terrible, just with his 2 of 11 shooting as well. Let's talk Let's talk Charlotte and Denver. Frank the Tank was out, so Cody Zeller back in the starting lineup. 11, 8, and 2, 1 steal. Subpar percentages, which is not what you expect normally from Zeller. But yeah, grab him. I don't know what will happen when Frank returns, whether he will come in and take the starting job back. But one thing I know for sure is we won't get 15 minutes of Johnny O'Brien and we won't get five minutes of Christian Wood when Frank Kaminsky returns. We also won't get 38 minutes of Marvin Williams, who had 14 and 12 with a pair of threes and a pair of blocks. He should be owned everywhere, while Kid Gilchrist struggled a little 6-3 and 2 with a pair of steals and a block. But still, when you own Kid Gilchrist, it's for rebounds, didn't deliver but it's for steals and it's for blocks, and that's what he's giving you at the moment. So he's fine under certain circumstances. Kemba had 27-4-4 with five triples. Just once again, point guards point guards taking on the Nuggets, you get some. Uh, you generally get some pretty big outputs, and that's exactly what we got from Kemba. While Nikola Batum had 21-2-8 with four triples. Love when Batum gets going. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. On to the Nuggets. We talked about Jokic already. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, moved back to the bench, but he looked awesome. 14-3-3 with two steals and two triples. I think Murray is going to be an, a fantastic fantasy player and a fantastic NBA player. Really love him for dynasty formats. Interestingly, he played 26 minutes while Jameer Nelson had 29, and he did outplay Jameer. I don't think that he's going to become a staple 12-team must-hold sort of a player. This is the Blue Arrow, but he can be streamed. You want some points, you want some threes. That that can have some use. More a 14 to 16 team league guy just at the moment, though. The Rooster had 22 and 5, while Farton Will Barton had 9, 4 and 4 in 31 minutes. That's more minutes than he's gotten recently, Barton. 
but it's not anything to get us too excited about. Gaz Harris, what a horrible, horrible, horrible night. Now, I am as big a Gaza fan as there is, but that's terrible. 22 minutes for Gaz, one assist, one steal, one field goal attempt, which he missed. One. Usage of 4%. Four. That's Otto Porterish. That is just a stinker. No injury, just a shit night. He just was not as active as he needed to be. He couldn't get moving in transition. He couldn't get anything. He just couldn't get anything happening. Do not read into this. Yes, you know what? It was a nightmare for some people for their DFS lumps. I love this spot here for Gaz. But this sort of performance is obviously one that comes out and you go, where did this come from? There's no indicators that will make you think this is going to happen for, for Gaza. One show, three points in his 13 minutes there while Mason Plumley had five and six. If you still hold Mason Plumley in 12-team leagues, unless it really, really is working to your advantage based on his recent statistics, not his seasonal statistics, his recent ones, then I don't, I don't see him being a 12-team league guy. Let's move on to the next game. We've got Memphis and Houston. Mick Conley, big game from Mick. 23-6-7 with a pair of steals and a pair of threes. Good shooting as well, while Marc Gasol had 17-4-2 and, and really got it going defensively. He had two steals and four blocks. Jermichael Green also went big. 29 minutes for Greeny, 20-2. No other numbers, and it came on 9 of 11 shooting. So we know that that is a fluky performance from Green. He is not a guy that is you know, deserved of a, of a permanent roster spot in your league. Tone Douglas played 29 minutes as well. 12, 5, and 5 with three steals. Tone has been putting up some okay numbers in around 20 minutes a game. Really just an 18, 20 team league guy, but has locked himself in comfortably ahead of Andrew Harrison at this point. Big news for Chandler Parsons fans. He played his first back to back game of the year. Scored two points, but he played in those games. So that's, that's the positive I think that we need to take out of it. The fact that he actually, um, played in those games and, if if he's going to no scrap it, I was going to try and say something positive. He played he played in the game, so that's that's what happened. But in terms of production, it's just not happening. Hopefully, he can get it cracking again next year. But he has been a disaster this season. Zebo had a massive game yesterday. This is what I talked about. Zebo can easily just come back and do nothing, and he did here eight and six in twenty four minutes. And that is the that is the problem with owning Zach Randolph in a lot of leagues. That those sort of uh, those sort of performances come, and then you get this sort of turd that follows it up. Onto the Houston side of things, Jimmy Harden was great. Thirty-three, seven, and eleven. A pair of steals, six triples. Oddly inefficient from the line, nine of thirteen. But you love that he went sixty percent from the field. That helps. Pat Bev had twelve, five, and five with three steals and a block. While Eric Gordon, probably his best game, and it feels like about a month. Eighteen, two, and one. Two steals and six triples from Gordo, and did that on just nine shots. Took nine shots, all of them from three, and hit six of them. That is as rockety as it gets. Lou Williams, 21 minutes, nine points, one one rebound, two assists, one steal. Oh, yeah, a triple one. Um, Yeah, this is the Lou Williams that I thought we would get in Houston, not the one, the crazy one that happened in those first two or three games. Still should be owned, but this is what you should expect more. And Connor chimes in with a question about Trev Ariza. He says, is he in the drop zone now? Yeah, he's in a massive slump. He had 6 and 9 in 29 minutes. Don't I wouldn't worry about thinking, okay, Trevor Ariza can be a top 50 guy, can be a top 40 guy. He's not performing at the moment. You can't wait three weeks for it. If you need to drop him, and, and he's not that good that if someone's having a slump, if Steph Curry's having a slump and not hitting threes, you don't go, well, okay, move on. I'm in the playoffs. That's not how you go. 
But a guy like Trevor Ariza, sure. If you need to move on and get something, and, and there's something out there that makes sense for you, then yeah, he, he should be in that drop zone conversation. That's you know, the same with Valanchunas. That's the same with Ryan Anderson. They should be in those drop zone areas. Clinker Palo was fantastic, 24 and 11 with 29 minutes. And that's two games in a row that the table Montrez Harrell has not played. They need to be giving Capella more minutes. I, I think he's really good, and I hate the way that they've used him for big, big chunks of uh, of the season. But hopefully, hopefully we get to see a little bit more of this from him moving forward. I'm not not sold on it, but hopefully. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs get the victory in a very low-scoring overtime game. Kyle Anthony Towns, 24-14, and 14, a good night there. While uh, Ravishing Rick Rubio had a triple-double, 11-13-10 with three steals. Triple-doubles are so commonplace. Remember when Lance Stevenson led the league in triple-doubles and I think he had seven or maybe five? It was something low. Um, Russ is on 41 or 40. There's been 79 triple-doubles this season. They are so much more commonplace now. Gorgie Jing, this is what happens with Gorgie Jing. He has these games where he plays 21, 22 minutes, and Thibodeau goes with Shabazz, or he goes with Nemanja Bielitsa and plays them big minutes. And then Jeng comes back and does what he needs to do, 13, 11, and 4 with a steal and a block. He's frustrating, no doubt. And the way he gets used gets frustrating, but the results can be nice. 32 minutes for Brandon Rush, 7 and 6. He'd been playing low 20s in minutes, so a little bit of a surprise that he played this much, and that limited Tyus Jones down to 14 minutes. Really just talking about deeper leagues, though, for those guys. We go, this is what happens when you take on Kawhi, mate. 17 points on 6 of 24 shooting. He had 4 rebounds and 2 assists, and it was just nightmare territory for him. Also, Chris Dunn continues to be terrible. The Wolves should not trade Ricky Rubio. The Wolves should not give the keys over to Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn is not good. Chris Dunn is a long way from being good if he ever becomes good. If. Onto the Spurs. Powell has been ridiculous off the bench. 17, 8, and 3 in 30 minutes with a block. While Dwayne Dedman, who continued to start, only 18 minutes. So again, starting doesn't mean everything. Yes, Dedman's starting. It doesn't mean that you need to own him. He need Starting in 27 minutes, then sure. Starting in 18 minutes, no. 6 and 4 with a block for Deddy. While uh, Lamarcus played 44 and had 18 and 10 with a pair of blocks, fine. Except he shot 33% from the field. Not much else happening really with the Spurs. Tone Parker only the 17 minutes, 3-1 and 2, while Pat Mills played 32 and scored three points of his own. Not a lot happening from the point guard crew there in San Antonio. Let's move now on to the last game of the night. That's the Brooklyn Nets and the Portland Trailblazers. How'd that Brooklyn Nets rotation look? Well, you know, it looked a little better. A little. Brookie Lopez, 32 minutes, 26 and 5 with two blocks and two threes. Great. Jezza Lynn. This is fantastic from Lynn. Second game of a back-to-back, 22 minutes, 18, 3 and 2, four triples, a steal and a block. I talked before about, okay, don't hold guys necessarily for his potential. I think Lynn is going to be in a top 100 guy next week. He is too good to be on waiver-wise. Now, if you're fighting for your life and it's Sunday and shit, I need to get guys in, otherwise I'm out, then of course you drop him. You drop anyone who, you you drop a reason, you drop Anderson, you drop Valanciunas. If you need to drop these guys to get players in on Sunday, otherwise it's all over, then do it. You need to drop Oladipo. You need to drop um, Darren Collison. Probably not a good example because the Kings are playing, but if you need to drop these guys that aren't playing, do it. Because you might, you, if you're in the playoffs, you might be out. Ronda Hellas Jefferson played 27 minutes, so that's good. 12, 8, and 5. But of course, we can never trust Kenny Atkinson to do that. A steal and a block. While Shawnee Kilpatrick hit six triples. 
big for him. Six triples with 20 points and five assists. I would not be getting interested in that. Karis Levert, 24 minutes, 7-2-6 and six with two steals. Love Levert, not enough minutes for me to care about, though. Well, Randy Foy continues to start and went scoreless in 16 minutes. That's uh, that's cool stuff. On to the Portland Trailblazers. CJ McCollum had 31-5-5 five and five with four triples. A big night from him, while Dame Lillard had 19-5-11. and 11. And any night you get two blocks and 11 assists from Dame Lillard, you consider it an absolute bonus. Al Farouk Aminu, 23-6. He hit five triples. Obviously, the five triples and the 69% shooting Giggity. is somewhat fluky, and by somewhat, I mean a lot. But Aminu is getting solid minutes. It doesn't matter that he's coming off the bench, although Noah Vonley should not be playing any NBA minutes anywhere. Aminu, Aminu has to be owned, I believe. Yusuf Nurkic, it wasn't his greatest night, but still 17-6-5 with a steal. Now, his free throws are a weird thing. He was at under 50% in Denver, at the start, and it seemed like people are really, really interested in Nurkic's free throws. At the start of the year in the preseason, no, man, he's not a bad free throw shooter. He's going to be 75% this year. Don't worry about it. Lots of people saying that. That sounds very Trumpy, and I apologize. And then he shoots 48% in Denver. Okay, well, he's just a terrible free throw shooter, like we've seen throughout his career, majority. And then yeah, he comes to Portland, and he shoots in 75. No, nah, man, this guy's a good free throw shooter. He's going to be, he's got it sorted. He's an 80%, he's a 75% guy. And then he comes out and shoots 63%. So in the end, it's just uh, it's just up and downness. He's not a good free throw shooter. He's probably not a 48% shooter. He's definitely not a 48% shooter. But he's also not a guy that's going to hover in the mid to high 70s, I don't believe. So you do have to be careful of that. And this was it was a real hit to that category this week. You go, yeah, five of eight is a significant volume and a significantly poor enough percentage that could have really hurt you. So it is something that you do have to be aware of. Alan Crabb went to the locker room. He did return. He had eight points in 19 minutes, probably better than some of his performances in 30 minutes. Obviously, we know where Crabb lies, but the Blazers play five games next week. So Crabb, Harkless, Aminu, Nurkic, they're clear must-own guys. Um, Vonley, in a 14-team league, even comes into consideration. Myers Leonard, who had nine points in 18 minutes and really is the only other center on the roster now besides Nurkic. These are things that you have to pay attention to with a five-game week coming up. All right, that does it for all of the uh, all of the games from Saturday. I'm going to take a quick break. We've got another new song today from uh, the Friends of Elvis again with Ed Kowalski and Bobby Keller. And the song is called Never Gets Me Down. So I'll play that, have a break, and then we'll be back to talk DFS action for Sunday. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10, select styles only.
right, guys. We're back. Let's talk perfect DFS lineups. We'll start with Fangel. Mick Conley had 43.7 and ravishing Rick Rubio had 43.6 at the shooting guard position. Jamal Crawford, 32.4 and CJ McCollum, 46.5. Small forward Kawhi Leonard, 66.5 and Mo Harkless at 34.9. Power forward Nikola Jokic, Big Bird at 51.8. Gorgie Jeng at 33.2 and Clint Capella at 40.2, and the total there, 392.8, and that costs $59,800. Over on DraftKings, Big Tone Douglas at 31.75, Jimmy Harden at 64.25, Kawhi's at 69.5, Jeng at 36.75, Capella 42.25, McCullum at 48.75, Jermichael Green at 32.5, and Ravishing Rick Rubio at 51.25 for a total of 377 points, and that cost... $49,900. There are seven games on the NBA DFS slate for Sunday, but be aware we have got staggered start times. The first game, this Pacers-Hawks game, that starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. So check your contest. Check to see which game or whether it's actually included. The next game starts at 3.30 p.m. And then we've got two games that come on at 5 p.m. Yeah, 5 5 p.m., yep, two games that come on at 5 p.m. We've got one game that comes on at 6 p.m., and then we've got an 8.30 p.m. These are all Eastern Standard Times, and then we have got a 9.30 p.m. So a really weirdly spread slate. Check for early contests, late contests. Check for the uh, you guys in Australia what ones are being included. Those early ones likely won't be the first two games, but we've probably got a five-game slate for the majority of the contest. So make sure you are checking all of that out. We are talking Indiana and Atlanta here. Let's um, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the point guards. That's always a, the best place to start when we're when we're talking about these games. We're going to talk Dennis Schroeder. He is at six thousand four hundred. He has got. A decently positive matchup. It's not. It's not a great one. It's not a terrible one. But he's going up against his uh, his former mentor, maybe with uh, with Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. I don't know if mentor is the right word, but he's, he's in a he's in a decent spot here, Schroeder. If I'm going to take one of those two, if I'm going to take him or Teague, it is going to be Schroeder. As for Teague, at seven thousand three hundred, he's averaging just twenty eight points over the last five, but. The time that he has played Atlanta this season, he dropped a 42-burger. You can go revenge game narrative. You can think whatever you like in, in terms of that. I would look at it as a GPP play fatigue, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, sold on him being a, a cash option. If we head across, I was going to head across to DraftKings, but my screen is stuffed, so we'll we'll keep talking. Uh, we'll keep talking. Uh, Fangio uh, shooting guard. Timmy Hardaway is at 5,500. He dropped 40 in the last game, and despite having a 40-point game, he is averaging just 21 points over the last five. He is as up and down as they come. Do not rely upon that for Tim. The last time he played the Pacers, he put up eight points. Yes, he put up eight total points. That is clearly not a great option, just a just a, a GPP option at shooting guard. But realistically, what we saw from him, it was a career high in the last game. So obviously, you shouldn't expect career highs to... um to return or, or to con- continue to happen. Any other shooting guards we want to talk about? Rocket Rodney Stuckey, 3,600. No, thank you. And Monte Ellis has obviously dipped and his salary hasn't come down to meet that. He is at 4,800 and he is at 20-point average over those last um, those last th- three games. And that's that's not cutting it at 4,800. So we need to uh, we need to look in different directions than, than taking Monte at that sort of a salary because it has not come into 
coming to the uh, coming to line with where it needs to be. Now, small forwards, there's a couple of options here that look look all right on the surface. Tarbo Cephalosha is at $3,700. He is averaging 20.5 points over the three games since he returned to action. He is putting up some um, some interesting numbers, some, some some pretty good numbers. Is he worth a cash look? I don't think that I would... I don't think I would have him as a as a cash play, but I think there's some value in looking at Tarbo. Mm-hmm. He's at 3,900 on uh, on DraftKings as well. Definitely some uh, definitely some value there, but more a GPP option. Paulie George, on the other hand, he's at eight thousand dollars. George has not reached value once in the last two weeks, or he hasn't reached eight thousand dollars worth of value. He hasn't hit forty points in five weeks. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Is this a matchup where he can do it? Well, it's one of the best matchups for small forwards in the NBA. So you would have to consider George a play at 8,000 or 79 on DraftKings. I definitely don't love it. But you know, there is there is obviously GPP upside, but I'm staying far away from Paul George in cash on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Now, when we get to Moneyball later on, um, I believe he comes in at almost seven thousand dollars, which is a, a crazy cheap price. And then I would consider it. Kent Bazemore's at forty six hundred. He had thirty four in the last game. Bays, and he's averaging almost twenty two points over his last five contests. He has been okay. I probably only look at him as a GPP sort of a play. Forty five hundred on DraftKings leans me the same direction as well. CJ Miles always GPPs and really not a strong option. At power forward, Paulie Millsaps at 7,700. He's been putting up some good numbers recently, averaging 39 over the last three, 33 over his last five. Great record against Indiana. I like Paul Millsap here. I feel pretty good about him getting to 40. And on DraftKings, where he comes in at 7,200, there are great numbers. Yeah, you can look at some really, really good numbers for Millsap there. And I think that's a good spot for him. Not, not as, yeah, it's, it's better on DraftKings than Fangio, but I still don't mind it on Fangio. Now, Ursan Ilyasova is a $4,800 player. As the Hawks have tightened their rotation, we're seeing Ilyasova play a little bit more. He's averaging 21 points in the last three games. But I don't quite think that that's $4,800 worth. On DraftKings, he's at 4100 and he is a little bit better. It's a GPP play only, and it's not a strong one. But he is in consideration over on DraftKings, I would say. Thaddeus Young has been terrible, averaging 11 points over his last three. The wrist looks done. He can't shoot. Um, he can't stay on the court. Maybe this is the game. They've had they've had three days off, so maybe the wrist is healed up and he's ready to go. And then he could easily smash through the 5,000 because that's a really really cheap price for Young. Really cheap. 4,300 on DraftKings is ridiculously cheap. So he becomes a contrarian, going against recency, GPP, upside guy. He comes in and gets five steals, and then you're looking at 35 points from him. Yeah, that's that's the sort of upside that he can have, and he can do that fairly comfortably. If he can stay on the court, if that wrist is fine. There's no way that I would want him in cash, though, at this point. At center, we've got Miles Turner and Dwight Howard. Turner's at 6,400. I don't feel all that confident about using him against Dwight. He's at 59 on DraftKings. I would look at it as a GPP on DraftKings. And as for Dwight at 7,800, well, that's found you has gone. Screw you guys. Let's add $700 onto that salary. And I'll say screw you in return. At 7,800, I'm not interested. Yes, he does average 39 points against Miles Turner the last three times he's taken him on. And that's that's pretty good at 7,800. But I also don't feel like he's locked in to get that. 
at 6,700 on DraftKings, that's a lot more appealing. That's fantastically appealing, in fact. And I would consider him even a cash game play at that much, much lower salary. Al Jefferson was a DMPCD in the last game, so obviously we're not caring too much about what uh, Big Al's going to do in this game. Let's now move on to the next one. We have got the Golden State Warriors and the New York Knickerbockers. The Warriors are favored by 10, and the total is 221 points. We do not know if Billy Hernan Gomez will play for the Knicks. He is questionable at the moment. He's missed the last two games with this ankle injury. Obviously, if Billy is out, then we'll move Porzingis across to center, and Lance Thomas will start either at the three or the four next to Carmelo Anthony. And Lance Thomas, in that sort of a situation, definitely has a level of appeal. He's a $4,000 player who dropped 35 in the last game and 30, 26 average over his last three. Two of those have been starts in place of Hernan Gomez. But if Billy returns, I can't see Lance playing enough minutes to be useful. But he is the beneficiary. Kylo Quinn is barely playing, even with Hernan Gomez out. So if I'm taking anyone, it's Thomas. But we know what Jeff Hornacek will do. If something's working, he will go the opposite direction. That's just what he does. So with the Thomas situation, him playing pretty well, and Kyle O'Quinn being minimized, I could easily see O'Quinn coming and playing 27 minutes in this game out of nowhere. That can definitely happen. So that's why, that's where you look and go, okay, O'Quinn's burnt people the last couple of times in uh, in GPPs. Not as many people will be looking at him. So that might work in a uh, in a tournament. So you don't rule it out. Let's now start by looking at the uh, the point guards. In this game, obviously, if we're going to start with point guards, we have to start with Ron Baker. I'm joking. Let's start with Steph Curry. He is at 10,500. We know that Steph has had a pretty good record at Madison Square Garden, but we also know that Steph has been fairly horrible recently, averaging under 39 points. And that's you know, horrible is relative because 39 points is not horrible because uh, you know, a guy I just talked about, Rotten Ronnie Baker, he's averaging nine points in his last three games. So 39 is hor- uh, relatively horrible, especially when you consider... The, the price tag he's on, he's only broken the value where he'd need to be at that price tag once in the last five games, meaning he's at 150-point game in that time. He can easily do it. Derek Rose's defense is not a big concern. There's no Kevin Durant. But I don't feel great about trusting Steph at that price at this point. As for Rose, he is at 6,500. The Warriors have turned into a really negative matchup for point guards. So that is something that would steer me off Rose, although he is averaging 32 points the last three games. But is that enough at 6,500? All signs point to no. Now, he comes in at 63 on DraftKings. Again, a negative matchup, but I still don't I still don't think that Derek Rose is the guy that we want to be hitching our wagons to. Clay Thompson is at $7,000. <clears> Obviously expensive. Great record against the Knicks. Horrible shooting recently. He's got to pick up some of Kevin Durant's slack. Can he do it? Of course he can. Will he do it? That's the big question, and that's the question that we can't be certain of or even have a degree of certainty with with Clay. So that's why I'll leave him as a GPP guy, and that's what he's been basically all of the season. He's at 73 on DraftKings, which is just ludicrously high, and I don't even know if I'd have him as a GPP guy on DraftKings, but I would on uh, on FanDuel at $7,000. There is something there. Courtney Lee is at 4900 been putting up good numbers, but that salary combined with this opponent is not something I'm interested in. But I would look at Paddy McCaw. He's at 3,800. He started in place of Durant in the last game and dropped 25. Now, this is not a tough matchup. The concern is that, okay, Matt Barnes, 
he is with the team a little bit longer, maybe a little bit used to things. So he, instead of playing 16 minutes, plays more minutes over Pat. But you could make an argument that McCaw he could be a better player than Barnes within a week's time. There's no trust for Pat here at all, but there is definite upside at 3,800. There's 8x upside at 3,800, and that's the sort of player you need to be paying attention to in GPPs, especially if they announce him as starting and the indications are that he will play 27 up, then there's there's value in um, in Pat McCaw. Love Pat McCaw. At small forward, Andre Iguodala, no thank you. Uh, Mallow's at 7,900. Mallow's been good. But he hasn't been $7,900 worth of good. He's at 78 on DraftKings. I'm not feeling it. Sure, in a GPP. But I just feel like he's $300, $400 maybe just overpriced. And that's not a great not, not a great situation for you to be in. Talked about Lance Thomas already. Matty Barnes at 4400 You could look at Barnesy. Look, he did close out the game in the last one. He was terrible. He had zero, zero Fangio points. Zero. He can be somehow he had zero points and Fanjo went cool. We better add nine hundred dollars onto his salary. So at forty three hundred he is now. Um, I wouldn't be using him, but I can understand would it. And as I as I said, Lance Thomas at forty three hundred absolutely comes into the conversation if Bill is out at power for Draymond's at eighty two hundred. Love Draymond here. I feel really rock solid about Draymond as well. Not uh, the type of rock solid you're probably thinking, but I am feeling pretty good about him. Eighty two on DraftKings. You know, you should feel pretty good that Draymond's going to get you five x at least value on both sites. As for Porzingis, Porzingis, um. 6,700 for Chris Stapps, averaging 28 over the last five, has struggled against the Warriors. I'm not into it. Not not interested. Let's talk centers. Bill Hernan Gomez, 5,800. If he plays, I don't trust it. I don't trust what Hornacek's going to do. I don't know how many minutes Hernan Gomez is going to get. And it's big men against the Warriors. That is a recipe for disaster. So Hernan Gomez, no thank you. Zaza, not interested either. Although, although with Zaza, I'll backtrack. Centers against the Knicks have torn them at least two, three, four new assholes over the course of this season. Zaza is not an asshole terror in general. I don't know. Maybe he is. I don't know what he does in his spare time. But in, in general on the court, that's not who he is. But at 4,500, there's a marginal level of upside here for Zaza. Marginal. I wouldn't personally do it, but it's definitely not a total write-off. Let's uh, let's talk about the next game now. We're going to go into Boston. They're taking on the Phoenix Suns. Some interesting things to talk about here in this one. The Celtics are favored by six. And the total is 225, which is the highest total for the entire day. And that's always, uh, that's always good. That's always a game that we look to target. And this is one of those. Tyler Zeller is listed as doubtful with, uh, with an illness issue which caused him to, to uh, miss the last game, I believe. Regardless, Tyler Zell is not in, not in the rotation often enough. Yes, he is when Brad Stevens decides we've got to, we make, got to make sure we get five minutes to Tyler Zell. has to happen. These five minutes that Tyler plays is going to be crucial to us doing everything. In case you can tell, I'm being... In case you can't tell, I'm being somewhat sarcastic. Anyway, let's talk point guards. Let's talk Isaiah Thomas. He's at 9,300. Isaiah Thomas at 9,300 has not once in the last five games reached enough value at that salary to um, give you value. Not once. It is a great matchup. You can talk about revenge narratives, and that could be real for Thomas. He's a guy that holds grudges. We know that. Um, 
it's a good matchup. The Suns are terrible against point guards. But Isaiah, he's just not getting that level of value. There is no way that I would want to use him in cash. None whatsoever. In GPPs, I could see it. Now, on DraftKings at 9,100, it's cheaper. The scoring suits him. He has had a couple of games of being over 5x in the last five, so that's useful. And I would consider him for GPP, especially given the matchup. But on Fangio, nothing is pointing towards this being a success for Isaiah. Eric Bledsoe's at 86. Well, if you want to talk about Thomas getting a good matchup at point guard, Eric Bledsoe gets the best matchup, the worst defender in the entire NBA, according to Advanced Real Plus Minus, I believe, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Bledsoe's been putting up very, very solid numbers. 36-point average over his last five, 36.5 over his last three. The problem is, is the minutes have trended down a bit for Bledsoe. And that's a little bit of a worry. So at 8,600, Bledsoe could easily drop 55 or he could play 27 minutes. So there's no cash reliability for Bledy. At 8,000 on DraftKings, I like it a little bit more, but I'm still not into trusting him for cash. The guy that I'm getting multiple questions about is Tyler Eulis. Love Tyler Eulis. He's at 4,400. He had 31 points in the last game, 26 average over his last three. Love him. Really, really impressed with what he's done. Will he get enough minutes? That's your debate. That's your question. He's averaging 20 minutes over the last three games. That's your question. And at 4,200, do you think that he will be able... So 4,400, do you think he was, he's going to be able to give you 25 points? That might be pushing it just a little bit, but I don't hate it for GPP. He has had a 31-point game in his last five. And 31 at 4,400 gets the job done. He's at 39 on DraftKings, which is crazy cheap. It has been bumped by 900 bucks. He was minimum salary. I would be much more interested in using Euless over on DraftKings, putting him into GPPs. I don't reckon I'd put him in cash unless we hear some more words come from Earl Watson that say things like, yes, we're just going to run him more minutes here and, and limit Bledsoe. Unless we hear something more along those lines. Then I am not. Um, then I'm not willing to consider him a cash play just yet. But I, I definitely would not rule that out. At we're not using Terry Rozier. Let's talk shooting guards. Marcus Smart's at 49. That's a pretty big drop from where he was a week or so ago. He was at six thousand bucks. 4900. Smarty's putting up some okay numbers, but they're not 4900 dollar worth of of numbers. So I'm not interested in him. Devin Booker at six thousand one hundred. If he gets the Marcus Smart defensive treatment. Um, yeah, that's not ideal. He's averaging only 25 over the last five. No cash reliability there for Devin at all. He's at 67 on DraftKings. He is more a GPP option with some upside, but I don't even think it's all that high upside in, in, in this particular situation. Avery Bradley, we assume he's still going to be somewhat limited. He's at 5,700, so the salary hasn't matched his limited output. I would be leaving Avery alone. Just at this point, next week, he comes more into consideration. At small four, TJ Warren's at 5,500. He has made over 5x value in four of his last five games. Fairly reliable. Even in the last game, he put up 25 points at, at, in 27 minutes. Um, and at 5,500, that's, that's getting pretty close to where you need to be. He has been crushing it. He's at 59 on drafting, so I'm a little less happy with him over there. Still pretty, pretty interested. But, 
Love him on Fangio at 55. Jay Crowder's at 59, just a GPP guy. While Jalen Brown, really, really love what Jalen Brown's doing. He's at 3,900. I think he's one of the better GPP guys to look at. The guy's averaging 21 points in the last three. In low 20s in minutes, he could easily have a game where it comes together and he puts up 30. I, I do really like it. And you know what? I don't actually hate him for cash. At 3,900, if you're trying to slot some big price point guards in there, Johnny Wall, Russie Westbrook... um then putting a wing like Brown in at that salary and going, all right, Jalen, give me 20, and I'm happy with it. And he can do that. So I think that he is not a terrible option in that situation at all. Now, if we look at him over on DraftKings at 4,100, that may be pushing it a little bit. The reduced salary cap and the increased salary makes that not a good combination for Jalen Brown. At power forward, Marquise Chris is at 4,400. The output has been disappointing. Under 20-point average over his last five. 4,400 is... Not high, but we know that there are risks with Chris, but that makes him a good GPP guy, just not the strongest one out there. Amir Johnson was out of the blue in the last game. I would not be expecting that to happen again for him. While Jared Dudley is playing increased minutes, it doesn't necessarily mean increased production or or great production. At center, here's where it's all happening. Big source, Alan Williams. Fangio's given the uh, Stone Cold Middle Finger finger salute here. He's at 6,000 bucks now. Probably a little high. For Alan Williams, to be honest, he had 37 points in 30 minutes in the last game. That's great. But say Alex Len starts off the game well, and they limit Source to 22 minutes, he's not making 6000 worth of value. I don't hate using Alan Williams at all. I'm just not sure if at that sort of a price, whether it's the best investment. Now, on DraftKings, they've gone pretty hard as well, and they've bumped him to 5400 that's a price where I do think that they're, you know, regardless of the fact they've bumped him, I still think that he's usable. In 24 minutes, he can he can make that value. He can. But that salary has taken big chunks of the edge off Alan Williams. As for Al Horford, he is a $6,000 player now on FanDuel. Hasn't really been at that level very often. Um, I will probably pass on him. He's at 59 on DraftKings, a little bit of upside there for GPPs. A pretty good history against Phoenix, but I'm still not sold on it, given the way that he just looks lost a lot of the time. Alex Len hasn't come down enough for me to consider him a great GPP option. He's at 4,200, and he has been abysmally bad. And maybe, this is a shout-out to Josh who's listening, I'm sure this maybe maybe he is bad. Maybe I'm wrong on Alex Len. I'm still not ready to completely give up, but maybe he just is bad. I'm getting very close to giving up on Alex then. Not there yet, but I am getting pretty close. Let's move on to the next game. We're going to talk Orlando. They're taking on the Washington Wizards. The um, the Wizards are favored by a whopping 11 points, and the total is 215 here. Injuries. Markeith Morris has a left thigh contusion, so he is considered probable to play. Not much to worry about there. Let's talk point guards. Love John Wall here, 10,400. Wall averages 56 points the last three times he's taken on Orlando. He had 57 just in his last game. He's averaging 48 across all five of his last games. Really, really like him. Um, If you're spending up big, he's one of the players to go for on this slate of games. As for Lord Alfred Payton, he's at 5,700, and somehow Lord Alfred is averaging 32 over the last three. Still don't trust Frank Vogel, but we should be seeing decent minutes from Payton. The problem is, is the John Wall defense is a real concern, and Wall has been able to limit point guards quite often this season and really limit what they can do, and Peyton is not going to be immune to that. So that's you know, probably, or not probably, that is one of the reasons that I'm not quite as sold on my boy Lord Alfred in this one. 
Brando Jennings, second game for the Wizards. Not much I'm expecting there. At shooting guard, Evan Fournier is at 53. Still really like it, but the matchup is such a negative that I would look at him as a, as a GPP guy, while Braddles Beal is at 75. Not sure of the upsides there, but the floor is pretty solid, and I feel good about using Beal in cash games on both Fangio and DraftKings. Mario Hezonia? No, thank you. At small forward, Terry Ross is at 4,500. Bounce back after a stinker for his last game to put up 29 points at 4,500. Almost have to consider him a core player. At 55 on DraftKings? Now, I'm not I'm not sure about that. that, that that's too high. It's $1,000 more expensive. 45 on Fangio. Love it. Boyan Bogdanovich is at 3,800. He is always a GPP-only type of a player. Although recently his consistency has been a little bit more improved, but still had just eight points in the last game. So I don't think we consider that consistency problem solved with Boyan. Really not feeling him as as being a a lock to hit value or anything along those lines. As for Otto Porter, which Otto do we get? Do we get the one that scores five or do we get the one that scores 39? I'd love the 39 one. I just don't know if we're going to get it. He's at 62 on Fangel and 61 on DraftKings. I think there is upside for GPP. Obviously, he can drop 40. He can drop 50. We've seen it multiple times this season. But we've also seen multiple times when he goes and takes five shots in 35 minutes. And you go, okay, well, that's not helping anybody. So that's why I'm, I'm very hesitant to use Otto as a as a cash option. I love Aaron Gordon here at 5,200. The matchup for him is fine. He had 35 in the last game. Even with some ups and downs, he's still averaging 26 points over his last five. So at 5,200, I feel pretty confident in Aaron Gordon. He's at 54 on drafting, so a little bit less confident, but still doesn't completely turn me off using him. And Markeith Morris at 6,800. Love Markeith, but that's too high. I'm not going to be using him at that sort of an increased salary. 62 on DraftKings is better, but it's still not right in the sweet spot that I'm uh, that I'm interested in. Jan Mahinmi at 3,500. Well, I think the biggest impact Mahinmi is going to have is going to be on what Gortat can do. We've seen Gortat's play fall off considerably. He is averaging just 20 points over the last five and still comes in at a $6,000 salary. Just being $6,000 on marching Gortat, I want to know what tipped you off to make that work out because his play is down. Mahinmi's... Coming up, I'm not interested in using marching Gortat here at all. Now, Gortat on DraftKings is a little bit more interesting. At 5,300, there is some GPP upside, but the trend is definitely going in the, the wrong direction. Now, Nikola Vucevic has been putting up some um, some pretty good numbers recently. But if I'm... Uh, why can't I even see his name? There he is. He's at 7,400. And the matchup has been a negative for centers against Washington this season. I'm not convinced that Vucevic at 7,400 is a good play. 71 on DraftKings makes him decent, but without being spectacular. Definitely someone that you could consider uh, a player pool guy, but not a not a core option. All right, let's uh, talk about Utah and Sacramento. This could be a terrible, terrible game. Utah is favored by 9.5, and the total is 196. And there's injuries that we don't know the result of yet. We don't know if Garrett Temple will be right to return. He's been dealing with that hamstring tear. Rocket Rodney Hood is questionable with right knee soreness. And Joe Johnson missed last game with a groin issue. So there are obviously some injury concerns that are going to swing things quite a lot for the way that these lineups um, or these rotations swing out. So... We need to know. Now, if Rocket and Joe Johnson are out, then Joe Ingles flies up in terms of value. If Garrett Temple plays, then 
it impacts Tyreek, Ben McLemore, Bud Heal, Ty Lawson, really impacts all of those guys, and we don't know how that will, will run out. It makes it a real tough situation to get a handle on. If you want to talk point guards, honestly, this game has just got so much ugliness associated with it. 5,500 for Dazza Collison, that's a no from me. While Georgie Hill was a monster against Brooklyn, putting up 43 points, but at 6,400 in a low-paced game, I'm not sure I want to spend that on George Hill. And by saying I'm not sure, I, I don't want to spend that on George Hill. He's at 66 on DraftKings, even less appealing. Ty Lawson at 46. If Garrett Temple's out, I like the puntability of Ty. Will This is the thing. Ty Lawson, will he start? Will he, will he not start? Will he play 30 minutes? Will he play 21 minutes? Dave Yeager's rotation is almost as unpredictable as any in the NBA, and we just don't know what we're going to get on a nightly basis, making using any of these guys for cash really, really troublesome. At shooting guard, Rocket at 4,200. I don't think that we want to use him um, coming off that knee issue. Tyreek, who knows? 5,800, though, is too expensive. I say who, who knows in terms of who knows what sort of level of minutes or production he gets, but I know that that salary... I don't want anything to do with it. Now, on DraftKings at 5,100, Tyreek's a little bit more interesting. It is a negative matchup, so that would probably steer me away. But otherwise, 5,100 for Tyreek is not a bad price point. It's, it's definitely no 5,800. Benny McLemore, don't know if Garrett Temple's going to impact him. Alec Burks, Aaron Aflala, just a lot of garbage there. At small four, Joe Johnson, no thanks. Joe Ingles at 38. Loved Ingles if we hear that Rocket and Johnson are out, then he has got some value. Put up 21 in the last game at 36 points, which which works out at that sort of limited salary. He's a $4,400 player on DraftKings, which maybe is a little bit too high, given what he can do. Now, Gordo Haywood's at 8,000. Um, definitely don't want to use that for cash, but there is upside in using Haywood there, and 75 on DraftKings, the same story. Really just a GPP type of a player at power forward. Will Cauley-Stein played just 25 minutes in the last game, put up 18 points, and is averaging under 20 over the last three. At 4,900, there is upside. But man, if you want to trust Willie Cauley-Stein, then you're a braver person than I am. I do not want to do that. Not in the slightest, but there is GPP upside. Part of the reason we don't want to trust him is he's going to get go bad, and that is going to be a disaster. Derek Favors at 5,500. He put up 39 points in the last game. It was back to the good old days of Derek Favors. Can we trust that? No. I'd like to see three or four of those in a row before I consider Derek Favors trustworthy. And we haven't had that yet, so I will leave him out of my consideration. Scalabissier started the last game. He's a minimum salary player. He put up 18 points. I don't hate using Scal as a GPP. I think that there is actually some upside there. He can put up 20 points or so. He's a guy that's basically a fantasy point per minute producer. If you give him 20 minutes, you might get 20 points. And at 3,500, what's wrong with that? At center, Costa Kufos, no, you're getting go bad. Rudy himself, 7,600 for Rudy. The production has been down, averaging under 24 points over the last three, under 32 over the last five. That's nowhere near where it needs to be at that sort of a salary. And given the low pace of this game, I'm not inclined to think that 7,600 on Gobert is the Gobert. I don't think that's a good way to go for Gobert. 7,000 for him on DraftKings is obviously somewhat more appealing. And I would consider him a GPP guy over on DraftKings. All right, we have got two games to go. Let's get stuck into those ones. The first one of them is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks are favored by one, and the total is 204. We do not know if Wes Matthews will be ready to go. He has missed the last couple with a hip problem. I would lean towards saying no to Wes and think that he will be out. 
and that opens up some minutes for Dorian Finney-Smith. But more importantly, what it opens up is for more minutes for Nerlens Noel in that lineup next to Dirk and uh, and Seth playing some more minutes also. Let's talk point guards. Russ Westbrook, we know who Russ is. He's ridiculous. That's uh, that's pretty much all we need to say about Russell. He is 13400 and that price is ridiculous. Yes, he dropped 84 in the last game. Yes, he is averaging 67 over the last five. All that's a yes. Dallas has been not good for point guards this season. Russ has not done well against Dallas, averaging just 49 points the last three games against them. Um, the pace is down. The matchup is bad. The price is ludicrous. To me, Russ is a fade, unless you're getting some cheap options in other spots. But John Wall is the expensive point guard that I would want over Russell Westbrook. Russ will probably outproduce him, but it's $3,000 difference. And you can take that $3,000 and put it onto another player and get much more in return for it, I believe. So I think that $13,400 for him on Fangio is just too high. Now, at $13,000 on DraftKings, that's obviously stupidly high also. I don't think that it makes him a total write-off over there, but it is pretty hard. It is pretty hard to get him in to a lineup, but it's not a it's not a nightmare situation on DraftKings. Thirteen four on Fangio, I, I, I do not like that. Kevin Farrell is at five thousand three hundred. He had a, a bit of a bounce back game in the last one, put up twenty eight points, but at fifty three hundred, I'm just not sure where the upside is there in Yogi. At 49 on DraftKings, and that's fine. I think that there's great upside there, really good GPP play for Yogi, but I don't like it at 5,300 on Fangio necessarily. At shooting guard, Vic Oladipo will not play, so Alex Abrines will get another start. He's a minimum salary player. He's had a couple of turds and a couple of decent games, a GPP option really. For him, that's uh, that's as far as I'd go. He's at 36 on DraftKings. That takes away some of his appeal, the fact that he is not a minimum salary player over there. As for Seth, he's at 6,000. 300. He has been crushing it. He has been rock solid for cash at that price. And if Wes Matthews is out, I don't think I'd have too much hesitation. At 6,400 on DraftKings, again, I think it's a pretty fair price given what he's been doing. And I've got a fair degree of confidence in what Seth Curry is currently putting up. I don't have confidence in Dougie McDirt. He is at 3,600. He put up seven points in the last game. He's averaging 13 over the last five. The matchup is terrible. The pace is terrible. The player is terrible. Sure, put him in a GPP, but you got a one in six chance, I reckon, of it coming off. Maybe. And even then, like how high does he actually go? The answer to me is not very. The pencil Harrison Barnes is 6,100. Just constantly feels like he's two to $300 overpriced. I reckon there are better options than Harrison Barnes. Robertson, He's not one of them. At power forward, Ennis Cantor, 5,700. A down day from him in the last one. 18 points in 23 minutes. 5700s a little bit too highly priced in my opinion. 56 on DraftKings as well is not something I care about. Dirk at 5900, the production and the minutes have just dipped slightly recently and at 5900 I am not interested in Dirk and Taj Gibson at 4400. Well Taj had a big game and then a real stinker. Which one's the real Taj? Who knows, but you can't trust it at this point. You could consider it GPP, but I do not think that his ceiling is high enough to really go that way and we won't be looking at Demontis Sabonis. At center, Nerlens Noel is the one we look at. Fangio has gone hard. They've gone a thousand bucks extra. He's at sixty-three hundred. He had forty-four in the last game. I've got no problem with spending up on Nerlens. On DraftKings, he is as core as they come. Five thousand four hundred. If he's not in your cash lineup, I reckon you'll struggle. Fifty-four hundred for Nerlens there. He had forty-seven in the last game. He just needs you know, twenty-six points, twenty-seven points to really. You know, okay, let's say thirty points. 
I'm pretty confident in Nerlens Noel at doing that. As for Steve Adams at 5,700, I want no part of him at 5,700. His production is down. His minutes are down from the 36 or so he was getting when Cancer was out, down to 30, 31. And I don't want to spend that sort of money on Steve Adams as much as I like the guy. Let's move on to the next game, which is the last game, and that is the New Orleans Pelicans. They're taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Injury-wise, there's nothing for us to be concerned about here, which is great. The Pelicans are favored by six on the road, and the total is 214.5. Let's talk point guards. Drew Holiday was huge in the last game. He's at 7,700. He put up 40 points. I wouldn't be trusting that, although Lakers point guards is a great opportunity to put up some good numbers. I'm not fully into it, though. I'm not thinking that Drew is going to be a lock guy. He's a GPP stack guy. You might want to stack him and Boogie and Tone Davis and, and see how that works out. That could that could very well work out. But as a standalone cash option, I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to go for using Drew Holiday. Let's talk D'Angelo Russell. Love him. 6,400. He's been putting up big numbers recently. Yes, only 28 in the last game, but that's not actually too much of a disaster at that salary. Really like this spot for, for D'Angelo. He's at 71 on DraftKings. I still think that he's got value over there. One of the better mid-price point guards on the entire slate of action. And that's, uh, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with, uh, with D'Angelo, really, really like his play. Love what I've seen from him recently. Jordy Clarkson at 52. I feel like he is almost a core guy as well, especially for cash. I feel fairly confident in what Clarkson's going to give me on most nights. Now, on DraftKings at 5,500, it's probably pushing a little bit too high, but I still do like him. Not core, but I still do like him for for cash, definitely. Um, I've got some questions that come through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about those after we go through this. So I will I will get to you guys' questions that, that threw those in. Uncle P at thirty seven hundred, obviously just a GPP guy. That's thirty seven on DraftKings for Nick Young. He's at forty one on Fangio. Not really interested in using him. Hollis Thompson gets minutes and does nothing with them in true Hollis Thompson fashion. At small forward Brandon Ingram. Speaking of getting minutes and doing nothing with him, Brandon Ingram is at thirty six hundred. He is averaging thirty four minutes over the last five games and sixteen points. At this point, he is bad. He is very bad. But at thirty six hundred knowing that you feel pretty good about him getting 35 or so minutes, then he's hard to fade entirely. But clearly, clearly, you would just look GPP. Now, at 4,600 in DraftKings, you can screw that. There is no way that I want anything to do with him at that price. It might bite me in the ass, but I think by looking at things with a common sense point of view, you don't want Brandon Ingram at that sort of a salary. At Dante Cunningham, no thank you. At power forward, Julius Randle. Big game. Two games ago, back to earth a little bit. And the 6,200, when he goes back to earth, which is the majority of the time for Randall, it just doesn't cut it. Yes, he's got GPP upside. Yes, the matchup is a good one. So sure, he is worth a look, but he's definitely not a cash play. And at 6,500 on DraftKings, I don't even think he's worth a GPP look in majority of cases. 4,100 for Larry Nance. Lazar had 24 points in that last game. Looked good, but I don't place a huge amount of confidence in it. 11,200, Tony Davis. Love it. Love it. He has is on track to crush him. Um, the appearance of Boogie doesn't mean that he won't crush. It just means that nobody else in the Pelicans touches the ball, and that's fine. You can still get 55. Look, he's averaging 52 points over the last five. No problem. A perfect matchup for Davis, and a ridiculous price on DraftKings at 10-1. Love that. That is a very, very, very good situation for him, I believe. Let's talk centers, and we've got Boogie. He is at 10,300. Boog 
has averaged 45 the last five. The matchup is obviously fantastic. He's averaged 57 the last uh, three times he's taken on the um, the Pelicans, when he, not the Pelicans, the Lakers, when he was a member of the Kings. He's at 10-2 on DraftKings. Love Boogie. And you could easily do a Boogie Davis stack. That could work. Again, they are not negatively correlated with each other. They are putting up pretty good numbers alongside each other. The other guy we look at is Ivica Zubats. He is at 3,600. He put up 22 points in 23 minutes in the last game. He can be a point-per-minute guy. We've seen it. 3,600. If only we knew he'd get 20-plus minutes, then he would be a real core guy. At this point, I would look at him more as a GPP, but if anything comes out that makes us think, or if they say, shit, we're starting Zubats, then it's all aboard. That is as lock cash as it gets if they say they're starting Zubats. And if he gets 25 minutes, he is breaking through that price barrier without too much concern at all. Before I get to the picks of the day, let's talk about these uh, questions. Joe Sherman says, I'm playing the early slate on DraftKings. If not Steph, Teague or Schroeder, I would take Dennis Schroeder there over Jeff Teague. Joe, so thank you for that question. Luis Rivera, he doesn't have a question. He just says, big fan, so thank you. Troy says, the Facebook stream isn't laggy. I appreciate that. And John Tiet says, would you fade Westbrook on Moneyball at 13,800? Yes, that is way too high. That is, that's way too high, John. Um, super high in Moneyball is one of the Australian DFS sites. They have the same salary cap and same pricing uh, or same scoring structure as Fangio, 13,800, John. I would not be using Russ at that sort of a price. Let's talk picks of the day now. Actually, that's not true. I wouldn't totally avoid Russ. I would consider him an option, but I wouldn't look at him as being the greatest option. at Fan- On Fangio, Ty Lawson at 46, obviously punty there. D'Angelo at 64 and Johnny Wall at 10-4. At shooting guard, Pat McCaws at 38. Brattles Beals at 75 and Small forts, no no high price shooting guard on the on the board. Brandon Ingram thirty six, TJ Warren fifty five, and Gordo Haywood at eight thousand at power forward. Will Cauley Stein at forty nine. A lot of punt options here, obviously. As a Gordon at fifty two, and Draymond's at eighty two, and at center Ivica Zubats is at thirty six, Nerlens is at sixty three, and Boog is at ten three. On DraftKings, Kevin Ferrell is at forty nine, D'Angelo Russell's at seventy one, and Johnny Walls at ten thousand. At shooting guard, Tarbo's at 39, Clarko's at 55, and Bazemore, or Bazemore's a small forward, Bazemore's at 45, Porter's at 61, Power Ford's Marquise Chris, 43, Paulie Millsap, 72, and Boogie at 10-2, and at center, Zubats at 34, Noel at 54, and Tone Davis, 10,100. Let's look at Moneyball now, Geordie Clarkson at 5,000, Russell's at 65, D'Angelo, and Johnny Wall at 10-3. At shooting guard, Etwan Moore, 38 obviously just a tournament play. Clay Thompson, 69, and small forwards, Terry Ross, 44, Paulie George, 7,000. At power forward, big source, Alan Williams, 41, Aaron Gordon, 5,000, and Anthony Davis, 11,7. And at center, Will Cauley-Stein at 42, Nerlens is at 52, and Demarcus Cousins at 10,700. No draft stars picks as of yet, because again, there's some sort of importing issue with our, with our software for the draft stars prices, which aren't up at the moment, but I will update them on the website, assuming that they come through before I uh, go to bed tonight. Follow me on Twitter and at Instagram at redrock underscore Beeble and facebook.com slash redrockbasketball. If you like the podcast, if you like what you hear, share it. Share it through Facebook. Share it. Retweet it through Twitter. Tell your friends. Leave a review on iTunes. It's always very much appreciated. I do thank everybody who has done that. Um, It's been great. So thank you to everyone who has done that. One last question that came in from Kerwin Charisma Akayan. I'm sure I pronounced it incorrectly. Kerwin, anyone on cock tomorrow? I can't speak for everyone else's personal life, but Kylo Quinn, as I touched on a little bit earlier, I think that 
he has definitely got some marginal GPP appeal just because everyone will be off him, but I'm, I don't feel confident with it. I, I don't I don't think it's going to work. It's like a 10%er. All right, we are done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Luke Walton.